Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. The bear is back. Deacon Bear, what's going on? Hey, man, just living the dream, the bear dream. The bear is back. You know, last week we had uh, a guest. If you didn't get to listen to the show, you can go back on the podcast, listen to it. A guy named Bear Wozniak Mm -hmm. from Hawaii. Yes. Now, I don't know if originally from Hawaii, but lives there. Yeah, he, well, he is. His parents came from, uh, shoot, what was it, the Ukraine or Croatia? Yeah, because I'm thinking Wozniak is kind of, that's exactly what I was going to kind of. Yeah, yeah. I was like Polish, Ukrainian, like something, you know. And his parents moved there, I believe, and he was born in Hawaii, and they gave him the name Bear. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, anyway, uh, but you're back. You're the only bear on the show today. Yep. No the, other bear but me. There's <laughs> no other bear uh, but you. We got good news and bad news today. Uh-oh. Yep. Uh, the good news is that we're in studio recording. Here we are. It's always great to be with you. That so, is good news. And everyone listening. So thanks for listening to the show on the radio, Christ the King Radio here in Acadiana, mm-hmm. or on the podcast wherever you are, uh, if you're walking like our show mom is. <laughs> and uh, whatever you're doing, thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, the bad news, mm-hmm. Adam, is that uh, we don't have a box today. We don't have a hot box? We don't have a hot box. Wow. Now, I figure we can't do a hot box segment every time. Yeah, that might be a little excessive. I don't know where we'd put all this stuff. But it's been great. It has. Actually. It has been great. You know. Um, but if you want to send a hot box... And if you don't know what the hot box segment is, go back and listen to the last two or three shows. But you can send one. Delta Media, Karen Crow, Louisiana. Just mail it in. We've had some people mail mail mm-hmm. theirs in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's no no hot box today. But we do have a Have You Seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So I have a rare Have You Seen today. We've done it before where we update a previous Have You Seen. Okay. Um, but this one goes back a couple years. I'm not sure if you remember the uh, situation, which is the uh, artist in Denmark who was paid by the city to create a painting okay, or a piece of abstract art, let's say. Wait, something's ringing a bell in my head. Okay. <laughs> yep. just you And know, he literally going. turned in a blank canvas. This is like... Entitled, Take the Money and Run. Do you remember this? So they paid him $70,000 to do this. And he literally gave them a blank canvas and a frame. The frame's not even that great. It's just some boards. And then it's entitled, Take the Money and Run. Okay. So... so Well, the update is... Now, he made money. Like, he made... $70,000. He made $70,000, which is not a bad lick for doing nothing. Right. I mean, the frame may be worth $10, it looks about. Now, we did, you know, we did have that one where the guy, what was it like? He took like 90 COVID shots. That's right. And then sold the COVID vaccine cards. Yeah, all those vaccine cards. And he made a good lick on that. Yeah. I think if I had to choose between the two, just... I would choose the canvas thing because it seems a little bit more simpler of a oh for sure of a scheme. I mean, the canvas probably cost a hundred dollars to be fair, you know. So the wood was maybe ten, so hundred and ten, hundred fifteen dollars uh, that he got paid seventy thousand um, dollars for. Well, and and uh, his name is Jens 
Haining. Jens Haining. Well, the update is that poor Jens Haining, just this week, a court ruled he has to give the money back. So apparently the city, uh, the Danish city, sued him immediately. Really? Because <laughs> they had a contract with him. Oh. And they've been arguing for two years about this. Two it's years. It's been in the courts for two years that he did not live up to his end of the bargain, which was, or the contract, which was to actually provide art. Okay. And it took two years for that court to decide, you know what, you're right. He <laughs> didn't hold up his end of the contract. And he's got to give the money back. How much? All of it? Yeah. Oh, man. Why didn't he just look to be like, okay, guys, I'll paint something and then we'll call it even. <laughs> you know? Right? Well, he's appealing the decision. He's not taking this laying down. He will fight back and argue that this is actually art. I think it's the title that's going to be really hard to convince him of. I mean, it, he called it Take the Money and Run, right? So, but I guess he's arguing that this is some kind of abstract commentary on the state of the commercialization of art or something like that. But, um, so anyway, poor, poor Jens, Jens Conning, he's got to pay it back. I guess you always have to pay it back in the end. There's you know, what's interesting to me, though, about a blank canvas, mm-hmm. right, is I often think about that. And do you ever journal? I do. Okay. I'll journal every now and then. I kind of go in phases of journaling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times my journaling will start if I go on a retreat, which you do annually. I try mm-hmm. to do annually. Go on a retreat, you know, silent retreat or whatever. And it helps me to journal, maybe write, you know, kind of in your prayer time, whether it be around a scripture or an image or whatever, right? Right? You? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I don't journal like every day, all day, you know, all the time, mm-hmm. 365. Right. So I go in phases, um, but I often like think about that. Like when I do start journaling, it's like it, there, it's just like a clean blank slate, a clean piece of paper. And when I go on a retreat, I feel like it's like the Lord's like giving me just a blank canvas and just saying like, let's, let's recreate or paint what, what I want to do in your life right now. You know, mm-hmm. if I allow that to happen, you know, or I can take, take control of the paintbrush and, and just do my own thing. But, it, you know, there is something about starting with a new blank canvas. And I think a lot of times in our life, we, <clears throat> we sort of define ourselves by, you know, maybe the, the old things, the, the old images. The, you know, God wants to be doing something new in our life consistently. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the spiritual... But he doesn't want to leave the canvas blank. That's that was my point, right? This is my point. Like he doesn't want us to stare at a blank canvas. Like he wants to start with the blank canvas. And the reason I have an issue, and everyone has an issue with this guy, is like blank canvas. (laughs) He's like, yeah, that's the starting point. And God starts with the blank canvas and then paints on it. You know the direction for our life or what He wants to speak to us. Um, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's interesting because. You're getting at kind of a difference between, let's say, Christianity and um, other world religions where the goal is to empty everything, to just have total emptiness. So like some Eastern spiritualities and some where 
the goal of the spiritual life is to simply empty it all, to become that blank canvas where there's just nothing. Right. You're just nothing, right? That's the opposite of Christianity. And, and you know, for example, when it comes to meditation, we use that word meditation a lot. It's a, it's a, a widely used wor- word in the world, in the culture, in the sec- but Eastern meditation, the goal is really to empty your mind, right? To get to the point of nothingness. That's not Christian meditation at all. It's actually to fill your life with Christ. Mm-hmm. And it is helpful when you're meditating to start with that blank canvas in the sense of, you know, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Take this prayer time wherever you want to take it. Um, to not go in with preconceived notions or expectations or, or to take in the baggage from yesterday. You know, especially unforgiveness and grudges and heavy heart. Mm. You can't take that into prayer. Right, the Lord tells us that you got to leave your gift at the altar, go reconcile with your brother, then come back and offer your gift to God. There's a certain freshness we have to have to our prayer, but then God wants to do something with that prayer. He wants to fill our heart, fill our life with Christ, with His Son, and not leave us empty, not leave our life empty, but actually very full. That Christ came to give the fullness of life, and that's what I, you know, and this is what I'm saying. Like God doesn't want to take, say, just Take the the canvas of your life right now, okay, today or this past year or the past 10 years, okay? And just think about, like, there's some good things on it, but it got dirty. And and then there's some things in your life you're not proud of, and it's just kind of chaotic on the canvas, okay? Mm. God doesn't want to take that canvas and be like, well, let me fix it, okay? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Like, I, I, I like the image that God wants to actually turn the page and start over on a new canvas, okay? And And wants to, like, now recreate this next day and next phase and next year of my life. It's not going to be perfect. I'm not going to live it out perfectly, but he, but I need to let go of that old, that old canvas, that old way and, and give God permission to paint on a new canvas. Give me a new start, right? It's what we all want and desire. But I think a lot of times like we, we want, we just, we keep imagining our life as old, you know, in Jeremiah 18, it says that the, the potter took the clay that was spoiled and he he remade it into something new he remade it he didn't he didn't create it into the same pottery that it was he remade it into something new so he took the old and and made it new and that's what god wants to do in our lives yeah you remind me of uh the name that the lord revealed to us that we should call him i am right it's mm-hmm. not i was I'll like be. I used to be. I is. I am. I am, I am who I am. And um, this this reality that we are made in the image and likeness of God, mm-hmm. it takes it's <laughs> it takes some refashioning our mind. God has to recreate our mind. So what St. Paul talks about in Romans, that our mind would be transformed and conformed to Christ and his mind. But to see ourselves as who we are, not who we used to be, um, so, for example, today, I am who I'm going to be today. And every one of us can be a saint today. Every one of us can be 100% in love with Jesus Christ today. And there's nothing about our past that prohibits that. There's nothing that needs to be fixed or corrected about us. There's no inadequacy that we have that makes us incapable of loving God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength today. None of that. And so the real question is, am I... Am I going to be who I am today? Am I going to be someone who loves Jesus with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength today, or am I not? And the past has really nothing to do with it. Hmm. It really doesn't. 
And this is, I mean, you see this in the lives of saints. We're going to celebrate St. Francis of Assisi later uh, next week. It hit him like a ton of bricks when he realized that. Today, I can start a new life. Well, you know, and of course, I believe, like, if we just keep taking the analogy, is that God, God can take our crooked lines and make a beautiful picture out of it, mm-hmm. right? But say, uh, you know, I actually have a journal right here in front of me, just mm-hmm. randomly, because I, I was at a meeting before this, and, and I, I grabbed one to take notes. And uh, anyway, like, if I had, if I just did, like, a drawing over and over, I would just keep doing it until it got better. I'd flip the page and do that's it again, right. right? And so I'd look back and be like, okay, how can I do it better? And and that's what God does. Like, he, he can take what we have and make something out of it, but he could also flip the page and start over. That's exactly right. You know? That's yeah. the beauty of our life in Christ. Uh, it's the beauty of confession and mercy and the sacraments, and it, it it's all that. You know? well, that's what makes living an art, right? Your uh, your ministry, the art of living. Right. That's what makes it an art. An art you get better at. You know, if you're going to be doing painting or sculpting or music, you don't you don't limit yourself to what you've done in the past, and you say, oh, I, you know, I can't do any better than that song I played yesterday. I can't do any better than the painting I created last night, or whatever. You can grow in an art. You can get better and better, but it takes starting a new song. It takes starting a new sculpture. It takes starting a new painting for you to actually grow as an artist. And life is just like that. Like you have to, it's this habit of starting a day brand new, which is why we do prayers in the morning. We do prayers in the morning to welcome a new day, Hmm. to welcome the new life that Christ came to bring us. It's an ancient tradition to see that the morning sun as a symbol of the resurrection to welcome a new life that Christ came to bring us, that the old life is dead and then a new life has come in Christ, to welcome a day like that, and then to live life a bit better than I did yesterday. It's a new page, like you said. Hmm. I think literally journaling helps, journaling helps me do that because I see the day f- turn. Yeah, and one, you, know, you mentioned too, like in a practical way, journaling helps us get all our thoughts out. Mm-hmm. But you had mentioned it, and I want to circle back on it, is... It's hard to turn the page if we have unforgiveness yeah. in our heart. If we haven't forgiven people or we've been hurt, you know, even if we acknowledge that hurt, haven't let go. Like, we hold on to the past when we don't forgive, mm-hmm. you know, when we have unforgiveness in our heart. And the Lord wants to turn the page on that <clears throat> unforgiveness, the grudges, bitterness, even at ourself, maybe we can be, mm-hmm. we haven't forgiven ourselves, you know, uh, and the Lord wants to turn the page on that and create a new heart, you know, and scripture talks about that and uh, creating us a new heart, oh Lord, right. And in, yeah. in the old Testament and then Jeremiah revisits what I was saying in Jeremiah 18 is he takes old clay and makes it into something new. Like this whole image, you know, God took clay and made Adam new man, uh, you know, and so this is the beauty of how God works in our life. I mean, Christ, what came to make all things new, New. that's what scripture says. What what did he come to make new, the oak tree out there? I mean, if he wanted (laughs) us, he came to make us new, Mm -hmm. right? We are born again, you know, it talks about, like, we're, we're made new. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what is the thing that keeps us on this page, unwilling to turn, at least biblically and from the lips of our Lord, 
the main thing in the life of Christian is this lack of mercy toward others, this mm-hmm. lack of un, this lack of forgiveness. I mean, our Lord teaches explicitly explicitly about purgatory at least twice um, in his teaching, at least twice, and both of them. He's describing people that will go into a prison for a time. They have to pay the last penny. Why? Because they did not forgive their brother. So one time when he says, when you're going to court with your brother, settle with him on the way. Otherwise, so hand it over to the judge or the constable. Then you'll be thrown into prison and you won't be released till you pay the last penny. It's because of a lack of forgiveness of your brother. Another time where it talks about this servant who owed a huge amount, gets forgiven by his master, and then goes to a fellow servant who owed a much lesser and would not forgive them. So the master finds out and throws him into prison until he does repay the pit, the, um, the debt. And our Lord says that the Heavenly Father would do the same to us unless we forgive our brother from our heart. In other words, we will be stuck in a prison, purgatory, and won't be released until we pay the last penny because of lack of forgiveness. Wow. So both times that our Lord spoke about this, what will keep us stuck spiritually in purgatory, unable to go to heaven, in both cases, it's a lack of forgiveness for our brother. Amen. Well, that's a good, yeah, every penny. Ooh. Oof. Oof. Man. Mm. All right. Let's take <laughs> Save the, bra- the bear's on a roll today. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based Health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Bear, Adam Conk in studio. How many names can you have? (laughs) And the beer just keeps getting better, fellas. That's all I could say. You know what? I I do think I'm going to get you for Christmas. Hmm. A razor? No. No, no. Beard oil. Oh, yeah. It's actually something. (laughs) You're not the first one to think of that. Yeah. I think I'm going to get you some. I've been getting that the past couple years. That sounds good. Yeah. I like the ones that smell like uh, bourbon. Bourbon? FYI. There's some that smell like incense, I hear. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. <clears throat> I didn't uh, repeat it. I guess, I guess it probably more depends on what your wife likes or doesn't like. like Absolutely. She's not going to want to you know, smell. But bourbon, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a good smell. I'm gonna... <laughs> it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because for a guy who does not have a beard on, which is me. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine if you had an air freshener around you all the time. That's what a beard is with beard oil. It becomes like a like a car air freshener, but for you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, nice. Yeah, I know what I know what our show mom is thinking right now. She's Uh-oh. walking, listening to the podcast. She wants me to shave it? No, no, no. She's probably thinking, where do I get beard oil? Oh. <laughs> I'd like to send that to Adam. That's probably what she's thinking right now. Oh, mom. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This week we, we uh, there's a... Uh, interesting list of saints this week, mm-hmm. you know, uh, St. Paul the sixth, mm-hmm. um, St. Vincent de Paul. Oh boy. Uh-huh. I see a theme. No. <laughs> then there's St. 
Wenceslaus. Wenceslaus. Yeah. Wenceslaus, which is an interesting name. Um, we got Saint Jerome this week. Dude got killed by his brother. Wenceslaus. We're talking about forgiving your brother earlier. He got killed by his brother. Mm-hmm. Really? Well, his brother hired an assassin. But um, to take him, he out. was there. Yeah, really? the assassins killed him. That's like in the 900s. People did that, huh? Yeah. And they didn't have phones to record it, so I bet he got away with it for a while. It's a good question. I don't know what happened to old Bolus. No Bolus loss killed Wenceslaus. Bolus loss. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I like that. Saint Jerome. Oof. Yeah. Cranky Saint. Cranky Saint. Oscar the Grouch. Love Scripture. Yes. Okay. But we also celebrate in between that, uh, actually today, is St. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Yeah. The archangels. Right. Right? The archangels. The, yes. The the archangels. They got the arcs. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. They're saints. They weren't humans. Correct. Okay? Never so, have been. Mm-mm. Never will But they're be. saints. Total saints. Which is strange. <laughs> We're not even in a weird Catholic setting, <clears throat> but this is, it's weird to me. Yeah. Okay. Now, have you ever seen an angel? Not that I know of. There's reports that that people have. Mm -hmm. St. Joseph did. An angel appeared to him. Um, There's been miracles where angels have appeared, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen one. I never, not that I know of. I do know someone who has claimed to see one in a pretty impressive way. I would like to. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you pray for that or like they do appear to you. I don't know if you have to be in an emergency situation. Like I was reading a story of a guy who was flying a plane mm-hmm. and lost contact. The weather radios went out and he was just, you know, going to wreck. Like he, it was cloudy. Couldn't see. It was at night. And then like on the radio just came on. This person said, you know, land here, and he landed at a vacant airport with no, like, tower, no communication, and they're, like... Wow. He thought it was an angel. That does sound like an angel. And the one I'm referencing, it was an emergency situation, too. There was this ship about to crash, like a cruise ship, about to crash into a a dock. You've seen videos like that where they do that? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not pretty when it happens. Mm Mm-mm. And um, anyway, this person was could see it happening they were on the shore it wouldn't have hurt them but it would have hurt some people or like you know so they start praying and praying and they saw an angel appear and stop the ship and it did abruptly stop um and it didn't wreck it that's one story okay do you have a favorite um angel of the three michael gabriel Raphael. well i mean i think the i think michael is the church's favorite Oh. Over the years, really, I mean, he gets more attention than the other three by f- other two by now four. Now they have names, but angels don't have genders. Correct. Okay, so but they are like masculine. If so, you see a woman angel, don't 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 believe it. Really? Yeah. But they're no, they don't gender, so don't no. You know, it's just like God. See, I mean, they're pure spirit, obviously, but but God doesn't have a feminine. Uh, Nature, let's so say. So if you could picture an angel, I mean, we can only imagine what they look like because I've mm-hmm. never seen one. That's true. You know, so you're just making it up right now. Or images that you've seen drawn or statues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things like that. Yeah. You know? It's true. That art creates sort of what, you know, 
Do you? Because I don't know if someone sees an angel like it's just more of like a bright light, or did they actually see, uh, you know, wings and, you know, this this whole, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I would think a bright light is probably the best representation. Like, I imagine Thor mm-hmm. with wings. Yeah. I think that's good. But I don't know. No, I, I think could that's be good. making that up. I think you hammered that one. That's good. <laughs> okay, speaking of, like, saints this week, do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? What'd you say? You Catholics are so weird. Weird Catholic stuff! Yeah, so after the apostles, probably the most loved saint in history is Saint Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty up there. He's, I mean, people love him with for good reason. And and people love him and have never met him. Think That's about right. that. That's right. They love him. Love him and have never met him. Love. We've had cities named after him. All I mean, kind of stuff. He's pretty recognizable, one of those names. And even if you're not Catholic, you're like, yeah, St. Francis, loved animals. You know, like people mm-hmm. will just say random facts about St. Francis. But he's got all kind of weird stuff surrounding him. I'll tell you what. He lived a weird life, and there's some weird things. Um, so I thought it might be good to kind of list some of these weird things. Okay. We'll start from the less weird to the more weird. Less weird... Did you know his name wasn't originally Francis? Or a CC. No, he's not a CC. He's no. not a sissy. He, he was from a CC. From a CC. Just FYI, everyone. A CC <laughs> is a is a town in Italy. So he wasn't raised in like the super devout home like some saints were. He's from a pretty wealthy family, wasn't he? Very wealthy. Well, so his father was away on business. He was a merchant. He was away on business when he was born, when uh, Francis was born. And his mother decided to take advantage of the opportunity and name him what she wanted to name him, which was John. So he was named John um, after St. John the Baptist. Well, when his father got back, he was furious because he did not want to name him John. And so he named him Francesco because of his love for France and to (laughs) his business ties with French people selling Italian fabrics to, to the French. And so he wanted to name him Francesco as like a... Sounds like my parents. I oh, kinda, yeah? I kind of argued over what to name me. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. I wonder who won. Well, maybe we could have my mom call into the show and explain it. <clears throat> <laughs> maybe not. That's a story. Yeah, I love the story. It's hysterical. Mm-hmm. But my name was supposed to be different. Mm-hmm. Than it is. What was it supposed to be? I can't really say. Okay. I don't want to cause any drama. Okay. So this is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. But I love the story. I think it's really funny. (laughs) Maybe I'll tell it one day. But anyway. All right. So so that was weird. Next weird thing. uh, We lost his body for like 600 years. 600? Did you know that? How do you lose a body? Did somebody steal it or take it? Because that was a thing. So he died in 1226. Okay. And his body was originally placed in the basilica because people knew him to be a saint. He was whole, he was, in fact he was the fastest canonization on record at that time of a non-mortar, which was uh, less than two years. He was canonized a saint. So would you say he was on the fast track? Fast track. Okay. For sure. Okay. But now, just FYI, everybody, uh, it's interesting we're talking about Saint Francis of Assisi because October fourth we celebrate his feast. That's right. Okay. That's so right. it's coming up. 
And he died on the 3rd, October 3rd. Um, Well, soon after his death, the uh, Saracens, the Muslims, were invading Europe. And the locals were really nervous about his body being destroyed in the basilica because they were destroying churches and raiding them and things like that. So they hid his body and didn't tell many people where it was in case, you know, if, if the Muslims would come in and start interrogating people, where's his body? So they just didn't tell many people. And then the people who knew where it was died and it was lost. His body was literally lost until 1818. Did you know that? Like if you wanted to visit St. Francis's body before 1818, you couldn't. They didn't know where it was, but they found it. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, can relate a little bit. How in the world can you relate to that? (laughs) It's a sad story, but (laughs) one of my kids took driver's ed. Okay. And you have to get your permit and all that through your driver's ed school. And in between driver's ed permit and getting the license, the driver's ed person died. And their information was just, we had no idea how to get information. You're kidding. It was weird. It was really strange. So you can relate. Yeah. <laughs> now, it wasn't 600 years. It was, but it was like this weird moment of like, where do you even go? Mm-hmm. If the people who have the information are dead. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That is similar. That's right. <laughs> So the next weird thing, uh, he was the first person that we know of to receive the stigmata. Okay. That's right. If you don't know what the stigmata is. I knew he had it. I didn't know he was the first. The first that we know of. So Um, he was in what, the 1200s? What? Yeah, he died in 1226. Okay. So then we're- At the age of 45. So we're talking 1200 years after Christ Mm -hmm. was the first- person to receive the stigmata which are the wounds of christ the the the, in the flesh yeah he literally bled from his hands his feet his side right uh like christ did and the way he got it was pretty weird so it's weird to get 100 years or so maybe someone got it we just didn't know right yeah i mean it's he was pretty holy some biblical commentators think saint paul might have had it because of his comments about uh thorn in the side and stuff or bearing the wounds of christ in his body Hmm. i think most people agree he's talking about like the times he was stoned and shipwrecked and he probably had scars on his body Hmm. from all that yeah but maybe he had the wounds of christ so francis had them right the way he had the way he got them was pretty weird okay so during a i mean anytime you get the stigmata that's weird but it happened during a 40-day retreat did you know that he right. made a uh, he made a retreat, and he was at a church dedicated to in a monastery ded- dedicated to Saint Michael, who we celebrate today, one of the archangels. And he had a vision of a six-winged seraph attached to a cross, so an angel that looks like a baby, attached to a cross. Uh, maybe not a baby, but he's depicted like that. And then he received uh, a painful wound in his heart in which the an arrow from the angel seemed to pierce it. And then when that vision was done, when his heart was in pain from this wound, the vision ends, and then he had in his hands and feet the marks of Christ on the crucifix. Wow. So that is strange, and it happened. And so, um, yeah. Last weird thing about St. Francis. Hmm. Did you know he was blind for the last two years of his life? I didn't know really? that. 
Mm-hmm. I knew he went blind, but I didn't know for how long. Well, and why he went blind is interesting. He got blind because of his preaching schedule. So as we know, St. Francis, although the, the Franciscans weren't a preaching order, let's say like the Dominicans at the same time, where St. Dominic's whole purpose was to go around preaching, right. uh, St. Francis, their, their purpose was a bit different. They were rebuilding the church. They were living in poverty. Um, they were ministering to the poor. But he walked so much on missionary journeys. He walked all the way to the Holy Land and back twice, hello, on a missionary journey, but he also walked all the way to the east, so like way out there. And it was on one of those trips that he caught an illness that blinded him, and the last two years of his life, he was painfully blind. And that's what actually got him. That's what got him. And at the age of 45 was that illness. I didn't know that. Wow. I just figured he died, like whatever. But it was it was from one of his missionary journeys. Now, forty five wasn't young then. Mm-mm. You know, people didn't live a long time like mm-hmm. they do longer now. You know, mm-hmm. but it was still probably like, hey, you still have some more years, but you're dying. You're forty five. Right. You know? How far would you walk for Jesus? Because he walked. I would, I would hope a long way. But to be honest with you, I. Uh, you know, I'm more of a CC, a sissy than a CC, you know. But, uh, man, if the Lord asked me to walk to China, I guess I would pick up and start walking. But I would start complaining, like, before I hit I-10, I think. Yeah, I'd complain. Yeah, I knew a guy who walked across the country with a cross. Pretty big deal, but... Wait, who was this? Oh, my gosh. The An name. older guy? Yeah, Jim I- Murphy. Oh, his okay. name is Jim Murphy. So I just heard about a different guy. Goes by Butch. Mm. Pretty impressive. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I guess they're like St. I don't Francis. know how you afford it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> afford not to work or you raise money. I don't know how. But he just relied on Jesus. Walked across the country pretty big. Well, that's what St. Um, Francis did. He just went and begged for food along the way and that kind of thing. Um. Yeah. You know what's strange is that, okay, in a hundred years from now, Mm -hmm. just a hundred years, everyone who is currently on the earth will be dead. Yep. Think about that. I mean, for the most part. Maybe someone born today lives to a hundred, but like, let's just... To 150, definitely. No, but just say like 100 years. Mm -hmm. That's really like when you say that out loud is not much okay right for all of humanity to die for all of everyone on the earth right now will be dead okay so certainly like it's gonna it's repopulating as we go yes but think of all the stress and worry anxiety we have right now Mm -hmm. we're worrying about work and finances and politics and the next election and world peace and world war and you know countries and uh, like just think of all like the the crazy stuff that we're thinking and worried about that that i'm not downplaying is not that it's not real okay like Mm -hmm. okay like think about it think about just all of it think about your work the stuff you got to do the stuff you're making and creating and redoing and all the stuff that i'm doing and the grind and and in a hundred years 100 years everyone who is currently on the planet <laughs> will be dead, no longer here. 
Mm-hmm. It'll be totally repopulated, maybe, by a whole new group of folks. Mm-hmm. And we wake up every day entrenched in worry. Yeah. And to-do list. And just the the craziness of, like, all of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you think about, like, the, and, I, and I guess I'm thinking about it, it's like, he, look how famous St. Francis of Assisi is. He lived for 45 years. That is it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Well, and at least maybe a little over half. So a little over half was actually Christian. I mean, he was always, he was baptized Christian, obviously, but like... His conversion. His conversion was half of that. Right. His life was a blip on the map. Yeah. Just a, a little boop. It's really just like 20 years of saintly Christianity. That's what 20 years of saintly Christianity can do. Right. And here I am. I wake up every day and I'm like breathing heavy with my to-do list, rolling <laughs> from one thing to the next, worried about all these things, concerned about things that I shouldn't even be concerned about, thinking about things I cannot control or change. And in 100 years, now for me, it's going to be a lot less Everyone on this planet will be dead. <laughs> all the all the dictators we're worried about pressing buttons. Like just thinking, mm-hmm. like even them, they're, they're going to be dead. Like mm-hmm. everyone. Man, you should make a T-shirt. All the famous people were like, man, they're getting all the clicks and all the views, and yeah, all the influencers that are like changing the world. Mm-hmm. Dead. Sounds like a T-shirt, Paul. We'll all be dead in a hundred years. No, but like think about it. Like not like the done well yeah i mean there's a psalm to that effect right um we'll rest in peace 80 70 or 80 years for those who are strong and our life just passes and it's true i mean the the strongest among us will live that 80 to 100 years but then life is over but eternity is a long time and i think you know it's interesting the busy grind you're describing distracts us from that reality of life that it really is short that it must be about more than just this life that all of humanity can't exist just so that we can all have our 70, 80 years or more if we're strong, right? Mm-hmm. Or less. That can't be the purpose of human, human life. Right. So we can all just get this few decades on earth. Right. There has to be more. And the business of our life distracts us from that reality, from that more, I think. Because it is, when you're hitting the grind and just keeping life going and these kinds of things, and we live such a busy life we don't have to think about deeper things and we can just think that our purpose is to accomplish to-do lists. But that that's not really our purpose. No. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You got a short amount of time to be who you want to be. So maybe you got to trade the to-do list for a journal. How about how about a clean canvas? Fresh page. Yes. All right, let's take a fresh break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's 
Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. This is Paul George, Deacon Adam Kong. That's right. Be Paul George. Yeah. We were laughing at the break. Um, you know, you were making fun of me. Well, I said I love when you have an existential crisis on air. It's fun. Um, You're like, what is my life becoming? <laughs> it's a bunch of to-do lists. It is. Uh, and you were laughing at me. Um, oh, I do the same thing. And we've been doing this show for a while, Paul. I don't know if you know that. Uh, gosh. 2016? Is that seven years? That can't be right. I believe it is right. Seven years of the Paul George show. Hmm. Wow. And over that time, we have definitely had many an existential crisis on air. You know? What are we doing with our lives? What, what, what's going on? Usually it's when we talk about a saint. I don't know if you noticed that. But like when we're confronted with these saints that didn't waste their time, right? That lived every moment for the Lord in following their mission that he's given, you know, it just, that's, that's what puts me into crisis. <laughs> Cause I'm like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think part of it is to, um, <clears throat> they, their, their mortality. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about the saints, um, they're dead. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> right? Paul, oh my goodness. They're dead, they and are. we're talking about their life. <laughs> I mean, this is like the thing that you... we, Dude, in a hundred years, like the... <laughs> everyone alive will be dead. Like the... Do you understand though, like the, the 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 rise of worry in our world though? Oh yeah, like it's, the rise of it's anxiety, an epidemic. The the amount of anxiety, the amount of, <clears throat> I mean, just people are just consumed. And look, I, I, I'm one of them, right? I raise my hand, like just life's difficult, and I. <clears throat> I guess it's like this thing is like, oh, I'm going to die. Then let me just not live and give up. No, it's like, look, man, like I'm going to die. Like, let me live the the greatest life I can and leave worry at the door. You know, I think this is why Jesus 2000, over 2000 years ago, spoke about worry in scripture. Mm-hmm. Why are we worrying? Why worry? And our world is consumed by it. Right? Yeah. I mean, St. And, Paul says, have no anxiety at all. Goodness gracious. Yeah, like, and look, we get so consumed by so many things. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, with with the world, with, with war, with pot, like we're just involved and the media just crushes in on it. Like it just sucks our life. And we're just so overly involved. And like in 100 years, we'll all be dead. It All of us, every one of us on this planet, from every continent and country, race, scenario, religion, just done, buried. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. 
I guess we need a little more blank canvas in our life where we, <laughs> we recognize that life is like that. I mean, as fancy as the art might be, it's all going to burn up anyway, right? And I mean, uh, our Lord walking around Jerusalem, that's what he had to say, walking around the temple and seeing mm-hmm. it's adorned with all these wonderful things. Not that it's wrong to have beautiful buildings or beautiful art or whatever, but he said the days are going to come when not one stone will be left upon another. Right. That's going to happen. Right. And in the end, what matters? And our Lord told us to invest our life in what lasts, not to chase after material goods or be worried and anxious about the goods of this life because that's moths and and thieves destroy them, but to invest in heaven. Hmm. And, And what is in heaven? It's souls that love the Lord. And if we're investing in that in our life, that we're raising our children that way, that we're helping people come to know the love of God and Jesus Christ and that we're start we're helping them to start an eternal relationship that lasts forever with him that's what matters and also saint paul what can separate us from the love of god in christ jesus nothing and he names all those things we're worried about height depth creature famine power principality angels demons he names them all can any of them separate no 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 nothing can separate us from the love of god in christ jesus and uh, this allows for a certain peace. This, but see, this, is, this is the paradox of Christianity, is that the more we live a life not dependent on this world, the more free we are to enjoy the things of this world. St. <laughs> Francis of Assisi, we were just talking about, lived a life of complete poverty, total non-dependence, but that freed him to be able to enjoy the earth. He enjoyed creation. He enjoyed creatures. He, enjoyed, he took long walks, <laughs> right? Like really long walks. Yeah. He was able to enjoy the earth, enjoy the time he had, the 45 years, because he was free from it. He was not attached to it at all. And he used it rightly, which was to prepare for his next life in heaven. Right. And so there's a great freedom to enjoy this life when we know that this life is short and, and not as important as the life to come. Yeah. That's the freedom of a Christian. All right. I think the best way out of this crisis <laughs> is to go back to what we do best. Oh, a yeah? six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So Paul, you said you've been uh, a busy, busy you said the beginning. Um, so what you've been busy with, what's going on in Paul George's life? Well, what you've been up to lots. Mm-hmm. I mean, just tons going on, you know, travel, you know, Retreats, speaking, consulting, just all, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like a blob. Just a lot. Yeah. There was an old commercial, I don't remember years ago, and uh, there was this little tune they, they sang. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Yeah. And sometimes you don't. Right. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Sometimes Almond feel... Joy's got nuts, mounds don't, because... Sometimes you feel like, like a nut, and sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> kind of how I feel right now. Like a nut. Yeah. It's, everything's just nutty, but good. You know, doing some, the best I can with what I have mm-hmm. with uh, helping folks and, and the consulting and, and all, all those, but the, and speaking, but I worry too much, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, and sometimes I'm at a pace I don't, I don't need to be, and I need to slow down. Mm-hmm. And in less than a hundred years, I'll be dead. <laughs> Way less. <laughs> We'll just rename this episode, Paul Faces His Mortality on Air. <laughs> and Adam doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. 
Question number two. So we talked about uh, journaling. You said you do it sometimes in prayer, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about the this practice in prayer to journal, and do you recommend it to people? Like what? In other words, when you're counseling people in their own prayer life, what causes you to say, you know, I think journaling would help. Like what kind of situation does does journaling help in a prayer life? Well, I think one sometimes we don't have like words or we need words and so you can just free journal write what's and then you can visualize what you're writing uh sometimes i'll doodle or draw kind of an image too mm-hmm. not that i'm a an artist but like you know sometimes i don't have the words for prayer so like writing helps or going back to words maybe the lord spoke in scripture or an image that you had so it kind of helps just put it all down and you know, it's just like if we did strategic planning for this next year for the show or mm-hmm. for, you know, your parish or your school, you don't just talk about it. You write those things down so you can see them visually and then talk about them and then write out the objectives and figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you put that on on a paper. Same thing with our lives. Like sometimes just writing it down visually helps us. Yes. It's so simple, but it's true. True that. True. All right, question number three. So we talked about uh, this Danish artist who got paid $70,000 for a blank canvas, and now he's got to pay it back. Um, what would you want to say maybe about, like, those things we try to get away with maybe in the spiritual life or in the uh, or just life, like mm-hmm. as a husband, a wife, whatever, where we kind of know, all right, we probably should deal with this or – do this different, but we're just going to hammer through and, you know, but it'll get, it'll come back to get you eventually. You got to pay the money back eventually. Right. Right. Um, so what do you want to say about that, that temptation in life to like, just not deal with something and, or try to get away with something like, like, like that. Hmm. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. I would say, I just know this, that undealt things always surface in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. they always come back. They, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna resurface somehow in behaviors or in in it, they're gonna catch up to you. I mean, and it could be something as little as like I for, forgot to pay a parking ticket, and it was twenty five dollars, no big deal. And then you get pulled over ten years later, and they arrest you, and you're like, over a parking ticket? Yeah, what, ten years ago you forgot, mm. and now it's a crime. You know, like. Or you go to get your driver's license and you can't because you have like a $25 parking ticket on your record that you forgot to pay. Little things matter. And when you don't deal with them, they will resurface. And you talked about earlier, like even like little things like unforgiveness rooted in our heart will come out sideways. Mm. Sideways. All right, question number four. Yeah, we, we did talk about unforgiveness and keeping us from able to turn the page. Um, so this, this very important aspect of Christian living, forgiving people, mm-hmm. what have you found helpful in kind of coaching people through this ability? Cause this has to come up over and over again as people are wounded or hurt by others. People, um, have lived a life, you know, a human life very vulnerably. Um, the, the art of forgiving is essential to Christianity, right? So what are, what are some ways that you kind of coach people into being able to forgive better 
uh, or to free their heart from the from these grudges they might be holding. I think a lot of times people uh, approach forgiveness in a sense that it's about the other person, but really forgiveness is about us. It's freeing us, you know, first. Mm. And so I always say, like, do you or do I want to be free of this? You know, like everybody's like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but then you have to forgive. Well, I don't want to because I don't want to do good for that person. Well, you have to, you have to free yourself up, you know, like, so it's about you first. And then, you know, let God take care of the other person, right? Mm. Like the other person's not for us to, to worry about. It, it's, uh, it's God. So we got to do our part for, for what God wants for us first. Wow. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Question number five. We talked about St. Francis of Assisi. You went to Assisi, right? I did. I have. Yeah. So question number five is tell me about that experience. What did you see? What was it like? Would you go again? A hundred percent. But not without your wife. Not without my wife, but I would go again. Beautiful mountain town where, you know, God is there. Yeah. It's just beautiful. And, and the history and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see his body? Because it's not, it's not as busy as Rome. Like Rome's beautiful, right. and it's a it's a bigger city. It, you you go to Assisi. It it is like, you know, living in a in a big city. You drive out to the suburbs, but then you get out into the country, and then you come into a small town type thing. You know, mm-hmm. and it just feels more retreat, more away. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I got to see see Saint Francis in person. He was walking around. <laughs> you visited him after eighteen eighteen when they discovered his body. Apparently, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. isn't that crazy? His body was lost for six hundred years. <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> All right, question number six. Um, so we're talking about existential crisis, and we we're joking, of course, but that's a real thing, right? Like there are moments in people's lives where uh, the very reason they're existing, the very purpose of their day, the very meaning of their work or of their family life or whatever just feels like very unclear and it's it's a bit of a crisis. So describe this crisis to me like and and how how they can be moments of growth especially for a Christian, you know, in discerning God's will for their life. Mm-hmm. Why does God allow these crises to happen and what what um what benefit can they bring? You know, how does a Christian find the good out of this kind of moment of crisis? I think crisis opens your eyes up to the reality, right? So, like, we're talking about, like, 100 years of everybody being dead. <laughs> That's not, not true. Right. That is very true. So we can, we can have crisis about things that aren't true, right? Like, I could say, like, my life's horrible. Well, I could feel that way, but you could look at me and be like, look, your life's not horrible. You got some tough things going on, right? Mm-hmm. But when I say, like, in 100 years from now, everybody be dead. <laughs> That's a true statement. That's okay. So I'm just going to title the episode that. That's it. No, it's a crazy statement. It is is sort of like an eye opener, but it's not not true. So what I'm so what I'm saying is, in those moments like that, let the reality of that kind of like point you in the right direction. Like, what do I want to do about that? Well, I have a short time on Earth. Mm -hmm. Yes, I worry about things, and and I'm going to be dead soon. So let me not worry about that. And let me just focus on what God wants me to be until I can't do life anymore. And they lay me dead. <laughs> he gone. So does that answer your question? I think so. Okay. So crises wake us up to realities. 
and hopefully points us in can. a good direction. Yeah, like, ooh, I need to I need to focus on what matters. So you got to find some truth within the crisis. Yes, because you can find a lie and cling to that in a crisis as yeah. well. Yeah, I'm going to die. My life's horrible. No, I'm going to die. Let me. What do I want to do with my yeah. life? Yeah. All right. Well, I think we did. Was that all six? six that was all six of the questions. See that that got us back on track. Totally. <laughs> my crisis came back, though. <laughs> So anyway, great show on crisis. Oh my goodness! You know, one day we'll be dead like St. Francis. You know, all of us, yep. everyone listening. <laughs> You're all gonna die. Oh my god! Thanks for listening to the show today on the radio and the podcast. Couldn't do it without you, and uh, we'll be back next week. God bless.